I'm so excited about being at Walk Church. I, I really am. Like, that's not just hype. Um, I'm really excited to be here. I love this church. I've been watching you online, and I've been watching on social media for years. I remember when I first met you, Pastor Hyden, as a church planter, and, and I'm a church planter. As you said, I love church planters, and, and uh, it was really exciting to see you guys plan. And now you've got your own property, and you're going to build a building. That's exciting. We've been there. Um, we've been there, and uh, it's not uh, easy. Uh, because the devil's going to fight every step of the way, I know, but I believe that uh, you will overcome, amen? amen. And uh, it's going to be amazing to see what you continue to do. I love Walk Church, too, because um, it's kind of, in my opinion, I don't know if I should say this, and I did not get this approved, but Walk Church is like, um, it's like, a, I'm going I'm to say it, it's like the cool church, you know what I mean? No, it is. And I think a lot of it is because of you guys. You're very cool. Like, I love Pastor Hyden. I know I'm a couple years past you, but um, I get nervous when I'm around you because I, I feel like I'm back, like, in high school, you know, and I'm still a nerd, you know what I mean? No, I am. I, it's not, I'm such a nerd. No, I'm serious. Like, I'm the kind of guy you start talking about Superman, and I'm like, he's actually Kalel. Uh, that's his real name, and you should know that. It's true. That's who I am. I am not the basketball pastor. I am the comics nerd pastor. That's who I am. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. If it was really, okay, so if it was my generation, which it wasn't because I'm not only the nerd pastor, I'm also the old pastor, I would have been big, big, big into like Yu-Gi-Oh, you know what I mean? Like that's my realm, like as, 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 as deep as, I'm the kind of guy who says, great, you read Lord of the Rings, how about Cimmerillion? That's who I am. And, and to be around you... Like, it's kind of, in, you're, and now I'm meeting Pastor NFL, Vernon. <laughs> this is not my league, you know. I played Tecmo Super Bowl one time on, uh, some of you old people know what that is. And then Jack, Pastor Jack, is he not like the coolest pastor you've ever seen? He looks like he should be on a, like a commercial for cologne, you know, or something like that. Like, he does. He's super cool. But one thing that God has in common for all of us is that we are men of God and women of God who are absolutely deeply in love with Jesus. And to me, that's one of the coolest things about walking with Jesus is that when you walk with Jesus, you'll notice people from all backgrounds, all communities, all colors, all perspectives that fall in line and follow Jesus. And then you realize we're not all so different because this is the creator, this is the master, and I'll follow him wherever he wants to take me. And this is what I've noticed about what it means to truly go deeper. It's fascinating also to me that... Brother Vernon said when he got up here that you might need to release something tonight. I've, I've been walking with Jesus long enough to know it's not a, that's not an accident. Um, because what God put on my heart to share with you is something that you may need to release, but I feel that some of us may not be ready to. 
In fact, as I jump into this and I say the word in just a moment, what we're going to talk about, you're not even, it's not even in your, your, close to your vicinity of your mind, what it is you have to deal with tonight. But let me assure you before I talk about what we're deepening in tonight, let me assure you, God had it all planned out for you to be here. And what I'm about to talk about may have been specifically custom designed for you. Y'all ready for it now, but wait till I put on the word, all right? Well, nervous. We want to deepen tonight. We're going to go deeper into forgiveness. Now, the reason I know that's difficult is because some of us in this room have some really big things we have to forgive. Some of us in this room have been left behind by somebody they, they said they would always love us. Some of us had a father walk out on us. Some of us had a cousin touch us. Some of us in this room partnered with somebody and we were going to make great success and then they cheated us. And so when I say, who is it that you harbor bitterness in your heart toward, or who is it that you still need to forgive, how is it possible that the Holy Spirit of God hits you with that same name and that same face? And for some of us, it's not something from way back a, a, a long time ago. For some of us, it's the person we're living with. And it's something that they're continuing to do and have done for a while. And you don't hate them. You just wish they would stop because they're driving you insane. <laughs> and for some of us, it's our children. And for some of us, it's our parents. And for some of us, it's our friend. But we need to broach forgiveness. We need to deepen I see a lot of commotion up front. Is there something going on as it relates to forgiveness? You want to stand and testify? We'll wait till the end of the sermon. I, I feel this sermon is for Nina tonight. Can I get an amen? How many of you would understand that if you had to live with Pastor Hyden, you'd have to forgive every day, all day long? How many of you pray for Miss Nina because she needs it living with this man? Amen? Can, we know it to be the truth. So we're going to talk about forgiveness. How many of you in this room have ever really messed up? I mean, really messed up. I mean, more than once messed up. Raise your hand. How many of you have ever messed up uh, in the same area? Like you messed up once and then you're like, oh, I'll never do that again. And then you messed up again. Raise your hand in the, in the same area. How many of you have been messing up in the same area and it goes beyond a few weeks? You know what I'm talking about? How many of you ever messed up so bad in front of God that you don't even want to talk about the particular thing is, right? Okay, so we've all messed up. And aren't you thankful? That God gives forgiveness. Amen? Amen. How many of you, second question, how many of you have ever hurt somebody before? How many have ever made a mistake? Amen. How many of you are thankful, even though maybe you've put hurt into somebody else's life, they've brought forgiveness to you? And then I ask the last question here. How many of you have ever really been hurt? I mean, more than once. I mean, it's a continual thing. I mean, it's something that happened over and over again. And how many of you in this room would say, Pastor Josh, I know I've received forgiveness. It's just hard to give it. 
So forgiveness isn't easy. But it is, it is simple. And that's what I'm going to share with you today. It's the big thought of the sermon. It's, forgiveness isn't easy, but it is simple. So simple that I'm going to share it in four words. If you're ready for them, say amen. amen. Word number one, love. Word number two, honesty. Word number three, pity. And word number four, trust. Four words, that's honesty. It's not easy, but it is simple. And if you get these four words, you'll have the entire concept of how to go deeper into forgiveness. So how do I forgive, Pastor Josh? I do believe a lot of times as pastors, we give all sorts of information like, you should forgive. And we have entire sermons about, you should forgive. But we don't give the how-to. Today's the how-to. Pastor Hyden brought us in today, brought me in today to talk about how specifically to go deeper in forgiveness. And this is the how. Love, honesty, pity, trust. Let's talk about love. That's the first point of the sermon, love. And to do so, I want us to look at 1 Peter chapter number 2. You can turn there if you choose to. If not, it'll be on the screen. 1 Peter chapter number 2. And to really grasp this, you need to understand the background of the passage of what's happening here. I want you to picture in your mind's eye. I want you to get really imaginative with me. I want you to think with your imagination. Can you picture Peter there? Peter, the, the man, as he sits there in the chair and he's writing. He's writing a letter. Do you see him there in his robe and in his beard and in his long hair? And he's got that quill up and a scroll in front of him. And he's sitting at that desk writing to the refugees throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. And he writes them the letter of First Peter. And he does so, and these Christians, they're standing strong in the midst of great trials and persecutions. And hospitality is, is happening on an unprecedented level. Gracious Christians are opening their homes to strangers who are fleeing persecution. And, and the apostle Peter writes a letter to them and he says to them in chapter 2 and verse 1, So get rid of all your evil behavior. Be done with all deceit and hypocrisy, jealousy and unkind speech. Now the reason he had to say this is because of the background of what was going on. The persecutions of the early church had really kicked off. Could you imagine if it was illegal to go to church? Could you imagine if it was illegal to be a Christian? To be illegal for you to even talk about Jesus. That's what they were living in. And all of the Christians began to disperse from all the regions of Jerusalem where Peter was from and, and from Galilee where he had lived. And they started going all over the place. They started traveling north under, up into, in the region of what we would call Turkey. And Peter had to sit down and write a letter to them because here's why. Because as these Christian refugees crossed the borders, they were starting to go into regions they had never been. And their only connection to the other country were the fact that they were followers of Jesus and they heard there were followers of Jesus up there too in Galatia and Cappadocia and Bithynia. And so Peter writes a letter saying to them, Stop speaking evil about the people that are living with you. See, what happened was these Christians, because they were followers of Jesus, they opened their homes to all the Christian refugees who were running from the, from the law. Can you imagine if that happened? Like, could you imagine if somehow 
refugees were crossing borders and they came and your pastor, which is what was going on literally here with your Christian brothers and sisters in history, and your pastor knocked on your door and you're like, he's like, hey, I got three more and they got nowhere to stay. Can they stay with you for a few weeks? Can we help get these guys some jobs? They're followers of Jesus. Will you come in? And so that's what they were doing. They were coming in and living. And so Peter writes this letter to kind of help them understand how to all get along. And in verse 1, he says, so get rid of your evil behavior. Be done with all your deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and unkind speech. Why? Because when people live together, there's a lot of evil behavior, deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and unkind speech. You say, but they're all Christians. But aren't we? And if you have four or five, six strangers living in your home because you're helping people live, eventually that stuff is going to start coming up. Now, Peter goes on throughout the entire letter to explain really how the church is supposed to get along there. And in chapter 4, he goes on further in verses 8 and 9. And he says, he says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. As you guys are living together, doing church together, getting along with each other, getting on each other's nerves, be reminded to love each other. Why? Because love covers up all the sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Keep helping these refugees, but be nice to each other. How do you be nice to each other? By forgiving each other. How do we forgive each other? Love each other. What does love look like? Covering up the sin. Now, it doesn't mean, what I don't mean by cover up sin, because in our culture, we get the idea of cover-ups. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about sweeping things under the rug. What I am talking about is overlooking stuff. Like sometimes if you love somebody, you just overlook the stupid stuff. See, what do you mean the stupid stuff? How many you married here today? Can I get an amen? How many of you married somebody and you love that person? You really do. And then they started acting really weird. Like nothing sinful. They just do like... You're always doing that thing, and it's really dumb that you do that, and it's weird. Stop it, or, or I hate you, you know? But because you love them, what do you do? You, if you really love them, what you do is you, 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 you overlook it, right? Occasionally until, you know, something really, le- and then you're like, stop! And then you overlook it for like six more months, you know what I mean? This is not the only passage in the Bible that says love just overlooks that kind of stuff. The famous passage in the Bible about love is is, uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Look at what it says about overlooking stuff. It says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It doesn't rejoice about injustice and rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It always is hopeful and it endures through every circumstance. I think it could all be summed up by saying if you really love somebody, you overlook stuff. The first step of true forgiveness is is love. And love doesn't have to pick at somebody every time they make a mistake. Love doesn't have to keep bringing it up every time you get irritated. 
The first step of forgiveness is love. Does anybody remember the second step? I, was, I gave four words, and with a second, honesty. I do remember now, honesty. <laughs> honesty. See, what does honesty have to do with love, Pastor Josh? Well, I'll tell you what honesty has to do with love. For that, we have to move away from Peter's story, and we have to go to the Apostle Paul's story. Now I want you in your mind's eye to imagine the Apostle Paul. Can you go there with me? Imagine the Apostle Paul as you picture him in prison now. Now he's not in a, in a chair, in a desk like the Apostle Peter was. He's in prison behind bars on a stone stool, and he's got a scroll in front of him, and he's got a, a, a pen as well, and he's writing a letter, and as he's He's writing the letter, he's writing this letter to a different group of Christians in, in the land of Greece, in a place called, uh, or, or in, the, in the Grecian region, in the far end of the country of Asia Minor called Ephesus. And he's writing to a group of bickering church members. They're all fighting with each other about all sorts of things. And so the apostle Paul writes an entire letter called, we call it Ephesians. And in the first three chapters, he spends the time reminding them that Christ reconciled them to God and united them to one another. And in the next three chapters, he basically tells them, so stop fighting with each other. They were fighting, disunity was spreading, and the gospel was suffering. And so the apostle Paul was just tired of it. And he writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, something that many parents say to their children. Look at what he says in verse 32. Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Are you thankful that Jesus has forgiven you? How many of you, like I said before, are imperfect? Any non-perfect Christians in the room? Raise your hand. There's something that uh, I need to tell you, I feel, before I go on. Something I think is essential or I'm not going to feel like I'm a very honest, authentic, real, genuine Christian. I have to do confession. Confession time. I'm going to give you my sins. Some of you are paying attention for the first time. You're ready for this. Tell me. I got to confess, I'm an envious person. The Ten Commandments call it covetousness. I'm real, I truly am envious. When I see what somebody else has, it just drives me nuts because I'm like, oh, praise Jesus for that. I don't know why you deserve it, but I think, you know. I, have you ever been scrolling through? Have you ever been scrolling through and you see that your friend is like at Disney World or something? And you're like, oh, that's nice. That's... Isn't that, isn't that nice? That's really cool. That's great. That's great. And then you want to like comment, but like almost a little sarcastically, like, would be so nice to be so carefree with my money. <laughs> hashtag saving for the future. Hashtag Dave Ramsey, you know. <laughs> I'm an envious person. I, I really am. I'm not just, I'm a liar. Like I lie. Not like, like one of these preacher liars, like, I used to be a liar. I still lie, like I do. Um, I've overcome some lies. The one lie I really, I still struggle with this. Um, I'm an optimistic liar. Like, I'm really optimistic. I'm 100%, like, 
So if I get excited, right? People come to me and they're like, hey, pastor, we're all going bowling like in two weeks on Friday. Do you want to come? And I'm an outgoing people type of a person. And they asked me and I'm like, yes. And so immediately they'll come to me like, you want to go bowling? I'm like, yes, I want to go bowling. And as soon as they're like, awesome, and they turn around, they walk away. Immediately I think, I don't want to go bowling with them. <laughs> I do. But in the moment I did, you know what I mean? I, I wasn't, I didn't mean to lie. And now I've got to deal with that. I'm an optimistic. This part is going to bother us. I'm a terrible driver, like genuinely. Like our, it's a big joke at our church. Like they're like, how new are you to the church? Only a few months. Have you been a cut off by pastor yet? Not yet. I do. I cut people off. I was, I'm making a joke about it in the church uh, one day, and I had a new member come up to me, and he's like, Pastor. I'm like, what? He's like, it happened. And I'm like, he got baptized, he got saved, you know, something like that. I'm like, what happened? He's like, you cut me off. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, welcome, you know. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you're here. And that's great. And he said to me, he said to me, he said, I, I, he said, Pastor, I almost flipped you off. I almost flipped you off. <laughs> and he said, but then I realized maybe it's the pastor. I better not. So it's great. I'm keeping our people from flipping bad drivers off because they know I'm the worst. This is, how, this is how we pastor in Vegas. Amen. Like, I'm talking about honesty. Can we get honest? Amen. Like, let's get honest with each other. And I just told you about three sins, and I'm not even going to tell you about the bad ones. I'm not joking. You say, Pastor, I get it. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying here. Honesty, like, but, but Pastor, let me be honest with you. I would never, I would never do what they do. I would never live the way they live. I would never do what they did. And I would tell you what Paul told the Corinthians in Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11. Some of you were once just like that. Am I wrong? But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by the calling of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, you're not good because you're good. You're cleansed because you received Jesus. And so for us to get to this place of spiritual Christianity as Pharisees looking down our nose at all these people who have hurt us. It's forgetting the essential nature that we were once them who hurt others. And so when Paul says to the Ephesians, he says, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God for Christ forgave you. This is what he's speaking about. My mother, my mother was a, um, a couponer. She did coupons. How many of you remember the day when, when the ladies would do coupons, but they do like boxes of coupons? You know what I'm talking about? How many of you remember like double coupon, triple coupon? Like you could take them in. And these people, they were super couponers, right? Super couponers back in the, uh, in like the 80s and the 90s. And this was what my mother would do. My mother would do the super coupons, and she would go down to Albertsons or Smith's 
or, or, and she would go down to these places and she would like double coupon it or triple coupon it. And then if it was on sale and triple coupon, like she would stack up her pantry. She was one of those people. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you ever knew somebody like this? Raise your hand. All right. We have somebody confessing right up to the front right here. All right. Very good. Thank you, sister, for being honest. And my mother did this, man. And I remember one time, I remember one time uh, she said, I was like, you know, 12 years old, and she said, you want to go to the store? I said, yeah, let's go. So we went to the store, and, and I, was, I got out of the car, and I, I, I saw her grab her coupons, and immediately I got embarrassed. I'm 12 years old, so I was embarrassed all the time about everything anyway, and uh, we walked inside, and my mom was such a coupon, she's like the queen of couponers, like when she walked in, you could see the clerks, they would see her, and they would like cower, you know what I mean? Back away, she comes. She grabbed the coupon, uh, and she, we went down this one aisle, and she was looking for peanut butter, and she went to this peanut butter aisle, and, uh, and there it was. She said, Josh, do you see this? I, she said, I said, yeah. She said, it's on sale. I've got a triple coupon. I'm like, uh-huh. And she said, guess how much it costs? I'm like, I don't know. She said, nine cents a jar. And I said, but there's only 12 of them. She said, I know. Go get the manager. My mom's name is Anna, not Karen, but it was before that. You know what I mean? Like, it was a long time ago, you know? And so I went and got the uh, manager, and I'm like, and the manager knew. The manager already heard from all the clerks, the ladies here. And so he came, and, and she's like, uh, there's only 12. She's, he said, ma'am, we have 12. She said, go check in the back. And the manager went in the back, and he, and he came out. He said, yeah, we have some more. She said, how much? He said, we just, uh, we just received a, a, small, uh, a small pallet. And she said, I'll take all of them. Yeah, no, this is not a joke. And so he brought it out, and my, my mom said, go get a grocery cart. And I did. I went and got a grocery cart, and uh, she started filling it up. Now, this was not like the good peanut butter. You know what I mean? Like Jif, you know what I mean? <laughs> this was not Peter Pan peanut butter, you know? This was the healthy peanut butter with all the peanuts on the bottom and the oil on the top. No, don't, don't amen that. That's, that's disgusting. You got to stir it, you know what I mean? That's the, no, give me the stuff that gives you cancer. You know what? I want the, I want the bad for you peanut butter. I'm sorry. That's who I am. I'm being honest. So she started like loading them up and I can remember I'm sitting there and she's like, hold the cart still. She started loading them up and I'm not kidding. This is no exaggeration. The cart was flowing with peanut butter. So we went over and we started ringing them up, nine cents, nine cents, nine cents. We put them out into the, car, uh, the, 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 uh, the parking lot. We opened it up. We put it back in the back trunk of our 1978 Buick LeSabre. And that thing went low, you know what I mean? <laughs> and we got it all the way home. We took all those peanut butters out. They put them inside. I'm telling you, it was crazy. We had so much peanut butter, like forever. We were having peanut butter pancakes for breakfast, peanut butter uh, sandwiches for lunch. We were having peanut butter casserole for dinner. It was terrible. Like, it was peanut butter. My friends would come over to play Nintendo, and they would go home with, like, bags of peanut butter. This is how it was. We had peanut butter out flowing outside of our home. I mean, it was all the time. We had more peanut butter than we knew what to do with. Let me ask you a question. Why is it that you can't give forgiveness away? Like, I know they hurt you. I get it. And I know they're irritating, and I get it. I know that woman at work drives you nuts. I'm just wondering, do you not have any spare forgiveness? Like, you're just going to keep it in the pantry? 
or have you just not been given enough? I think as Christians, what Paul is saying is that you have so much overflowing forgiveness, it should just flow from us. But the problem is we lack honesty about how much we've been forgiven and how much we need to give away. So these are the steps. Love, honesty. What was the third one? Pity. I often get asked the question when teaching on forgiveness, Pastor, I often get asked the question, how do you forgive somebody but also be safe from being, bringing a bad person back into your life? That's a good question. It's a good question. The first two, love and honesty, have to do with restoration of relationships. The second two have to do with forgiveness, but keeping somebody at an arm's distance. So that you don't bring them back in to harm you, but you are taking care of your own spiritual heart. So the third one is pity. Say it with me. Pity. pity. We don't use that word a lot, right? Because to say that you pity somebody is like an insult. You don't want to be pitied. But did you know that pity is actually a Christian virtue? It's something that we have uh, really been taught to follow, well, since the days of Jesus Christ. The Word of God talks quite a bit about the idea of seeing somebody and understanding where they come from. My, my wife says that pity is the ability to see somebody's backstory. To talk about this, we were picturing Peter, weren't we? And then we were picturing the Apostle Paul in prison writing. And, and now I want you to picture Jesus Christ. Can you picture Jesus? Not on the field and not in the city. I want you to picture Jesus up upon the cross. And there he hangs upon that cross. And he sees his disciples and his mother. But he also sees the Roman soldiers. And he spots one Roman soldier, that one Roman soldier that had beaten him with a cat of nine tails, the one Roman soldier that laughed at him, that one Roman soldier that, that mocked him. And Jesus knows something about this Roman soldier that you don't know because Jesus, being the Son of God, knows everything about this Roman soldier. In fact, Jesus knows his backstory. Jesus remembers this little boy that ran into the fields of Gaul and then all of a sudden the Roman hordes came in and killed his mother and killed his father and captured and enslaved him and then took him away and trained him to be a murderous, terrible, wicked soldier that the only thing now he enjoys is the blood of somebody else. And Jesus is looking in his eyes and he knows his whole backstory. And at the same time, he also knows his father. And he knows his father's judgment upon somebody who would do this to his son. And he's stuck in the middle and he says, Father, Father, forgive him. He doesn't know what he's doing. Pity. 
pity is seeing somebody's backstory. It's the ability to ask the question, what road did they have to travel to get to a place that they did that to you? Dear God, forgive them. They don't know what they did. And at that point, you know what it's done for me? I've been able to step back and say it's okay. Not it's okay that there's no justice that needs to be served. Not it's okay that I'm going to bring them back to my life. But it's okay because I don't know their backstory. Yeah? You see how that helps you? And so, love, honesty, pity, and then there was one more word. Do you remember what it was? Trust. Trust. It's so essential that we as Christians trust Jesus. Amen? amen. You got to trust God. If I, if I said, do you trust God today, would you say amen? amen. You say, no, I'm not going to say it. You're setting me up. I know you are. <laughs> I already can tell. Sometimes we feel like we cannot forgive because of the inherent sense of justice that God himself put inside of you. And you think to yourself, if I forgive them, it's like letting them get away with it. And that's fair. Genuinely, some of you are thinking, I, I can't just forgive. Some, somebody needs to make that person pay. And the answer to that is, somebody will, but not you. Can you picture the aged apostle now? Paul, once again, he's writing from Corinth at this point, and he's, he's begging his Christian audience not to retaliate it to their Roman tormentors. He heard about the church in Rome, and it was like the church here in Las Vegas. It was like Walk Church in Southern Hills and Hope and all of these amazing churches. The church of God was exploding in Rome. The problem was at the same time it was exploding and doing great things, the Roman tormentors and the persecutions were getting really tough. And so the Roman soldiers would come into the churches like this. They would disrupt the services, and then they would take the leaders, the pastors and the deacons, and they would take them out and throw them in prison, make them lose their businesses, and sometimes, sometimes even get thrown to the lions. And there were some men in the church, and I suppose women as well, who were like some of the men and the women in this room who thought to themselves, we got to stop it from happening. They're not going to take our pastors and our deacons anymore. Grab a sword, let's go. And Paul writes them and says, you don't understand how this whole kingdom thing works. Don't do it. Don't fight back. Look, look, he literally says in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take vengeance. I will pay them back. Says the Lord. Say, Pastor Josh, if I forgive them, it's like letting go and allowing them to get away with it. Oh, friend, they're not getting away with anything. There is a God in heaven who demands 
justice for you. I just don't want you to be carrying that bitterness. The question is not whether or not God will deal with it. The question is, do you trust that he'll deal with it? Because where there is trust, there is peace. Like if you really do, you say, I trust God, really? How are you at your peace that God will take care of it? Do you really trust him? Yes. Have you forgiven them? Have you let it go? Somebody needs to trust him to do it. Where there is trust, there is peace. Heather and I have been married, uh, golly, it's a long time, it's 20 years. No, I don't get in trouble. If she was here, she'd be like, she doesn't remember either. It's been a, it's been a few decades at this point. Long enough to know everything about each other, you know what I mean? Like all that stuff, you know, all the stuff almost, you know. I, I could tell you about her nonsensical fear of fish. She's afraid of fish. Like genuinely, I could tell you about her irrational love of goats. She loves goats, you know what I mean? I could tell you, I, I could tell you about her, uh, I could tell you about her childhood boyfriends. One comes to mind. Daniel Tidwell. Daniel Tidwell was his name. She would always talk. She's not here, so here we go. I mean, talk about Daniel Tidwell. Daniel Tidwell, did I ever tell you about... That's not how she sounds, but in my mind, that's how she... Did I ever tell you about Daniel Tidwell? Mm-hmm. He was such a good boy. He was a good boy. He went to church. He loved Jesus. Always talking about Daniel Tidwell. Daniel Tidwell, just for years, you know, mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh-huh, yeah. He's in prison, I guarantee. That's what I think happened to Daniel Tidwell. (laughs) Daniel Tidwell, for years, I'm like, God, if he's not in prison, please take him there, you know? (laughs) I'm praying imprecatory psalms upon Daniel Tidwell, wherever he is. Keep my family safe and put him away, you know, I... Daniel Tidwell. My, my family and I, we like to take an annual family trip together, and um, our church is really gracious to give us not only a family day every week, but they send us away every year, and, and, um, and uh, so we were in Washington, D.C. It was super cool, actually, and uh, as we're walking, uh, we like to visit different churches on Sundays whenever we're traveling because I'm a church nerd. Like a lot of these guys, I like to see what other churches do. And uh, we went to Mark Batterson's church. You ever been to Mark Batterson? You ever heard of Mark? He's a great writer. Anyway, went to Mark Batterson's church, and, um, and I picked the church because it was Mark Batterson, but I also picked the church because they served uh, free coffee and donuts on Sunday morning, and I got kids. Can I get an amen? I'm like, that's a free meal on vacation. And I prepped them beforehand. I'm like, we're going to go there, and we've got donuts and coffee. It's going to be awesome. You guys can take as much as you want, and they'll never see us again, so take as many, you know. <laughs> so we did. We got there, and uh, we parked the car. Or we, no, we Ubered in, and we, 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 we jumped out, and I'm like, okay, let's get in. And my wife's like, service is going to start soon. And I'm like, yeah, but we got to get donuts. So we got in line, and as we got in line, uh, they were not serving the donuts until after the service. I'm like, okay, I see what you did there, all right? 
Yeah, that's smart. But they were serving coffee, so I got some coffee and a little cup. And uh, and I, at that point, I had a little uh, a little kid still, and I'm carrying my little kid, and it was dark and it was sloped, and and I'm walking down, and I trip, and I spilled coffee on my shirt, like it was all, my white shirt, and I'm like, oh, you know, I always feel like a nerd, but even more with coffee on my, you know, and. And then I, we all sat down, and the service was amazing. Music was great. The preaching was amazing. And, and as the service was wrapping up, like we are right now, I began to think to myself, I got to go get a donut. Let's go get a donut. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Get it done. Let's go. It's donut time. And, and I told the kids, like while the guy's up there praying, I'm like, all right, get ready. Get your Bibles. Let's go. We got to go get the donuts. Hurry. Go, come on. And, and we did. We were like first in line. So we grabbed all the kids. We rushed out there and we got in line. And the moment I did, I noticed they had cut the donuts in half. I'm like, you cheap megachurch. Like, can't even give me a full donut. Bring my family all the way to Washington to get a donut at your church, cheap church. So I told the kids, I said, take three, take three. I, I took a half, I did, this is, I'm, I'm serious, I put one in my mouth, and I grabbed two in my hands, and I'm like, go, go, grab it, and we, I began to turn around, and all of a sudden, my wife was standing here, and I heard her shout out, Daniel Tidwell, is that you? <laughs> Donut dropped out of my mouth. I'm like, I thought he was in prison. I thought, there he was. He was serving donuts to people at church, needy people like me. And I turned around, and there she was, and she, I'd never seen him before. And she was giving him a hug. I'm like, oh. You know, I got kids hanging on me, coffee stain, donut grease on my face, my belly sticking out, you know. And then all of a sudden, she, she turns around, and she looks over to us, you know? And I'm like, okay, all right, chill out, relax. Like, this is the moment. This is the moment, right, where she's going to introduce the father of her children, the love of her life to Daniel Tidwell. Like, it's cool. It's fine. And she looked over, and she handed me her camera and said, can you take a picture of us? I'm like, yeah, sure, you know. So, you know, I put the donuts down, and I wiped my hands, you know. I put a kid down, and I grabbed the camera, and I framed it up. You know, I like to frame a picture right nice. And I framed it up, and I'm like, ah, oh, gosh darn, they're cute. You know what I mean? Like, they're a cute couple. And I went to press the text. See, man, Josh, like, that must have been really hard for you. Like, that must have been like, oh, man, like, I can feel that. I mean, that must have been really hard for you, right, Josh? Can I be honest with you? Like, not even a little bit. Say, come on, Josh. I mean, you had the whole story, right? And, like, the feeling, like, the getting, like, the Daniel Tidwell. <laughs> like, you had to be like, ugh. And I got to be honest with you. Like, genuinely, it's a fun story, but I didn't feel at all, even a little bit jealous. You say, but, but why? And here's why. Here's why. Because in our 20 years of marriage, she's never once given me the idea that I could not trust her. Yeah. 
So where there is trust, there is peace. So you might be thinking to yourself, I know what some of us are thinking because I love you and I love Las Vegas and I know what you're thinking. Some of you are thinking, man, I wish I had a relationship like that. And what I'm saying is you do. You have somebody who has never done anything to you that has not led you to full trust and faithfulness. You see, Pastor Vernon said it earlier. He, you can trust him because he's trustworthy. He has never steered you wrong. He has never let something go down. He has never allowed somebody to hurt you without a plan of justice in your life. And the best way to understand true forgiveness is getting to the place where you say, yeah, God, I trust you. Trust you. Trust you. So here's my concern as I close. My concern is some of you have been fasting. That's good for spiritual breakthrough. Some have been praying to go deeper, and you want to go deeper. My concern is it could be there's something holding you back from going deeper. You've got to release it. See? You just got to go to God and say, I forgive him. I'm done. I'm done. And I got to tell you, forgiveness isn't easy, but it is simple. And you can summarize it in four words. And you know those words, don't you? Love, honesty, pity, and trust. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. It holds the answers to the problems of our heart. And my prayer is for my friends, my little brothers and my little sisters, my older brothers, my older sisters, my family here, that you would free us through forgiveness. Thank you for forgiving us. We have more forgiveness in our hearts than we know what to do with. Help us to give it away. Help us to give it away. This we ask in the name of Jesus Christ.